Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. All right, welcome back to the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast. So this uh, afternoon, we've got a hold of ourselves an active fraudster that specializes in the e-commerce space. And we contacted, we'll call them Anonymous D, uh, for the purposes of this chat, around a very specific topic around the use of drops and how they think about drops when they're perpetuating fraud and what they think about it. So it's going to be a specialist topic. First of all, happy to have you on, Anonymous D. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Thanks too, Jimmy. And I'm more than delighted to provide some insight into what drops are and how they're useful for us. Cool. Well, listen, let's start with uh, like the, the really basic question. Like You specialize in e-com fraud, uh, so you spend your time you know, defrauding global brands, small and large. But let's start with that. How? What? What is a drop to you and where, where does it have a place in your workflow? Drops are useful in the cash out process. The cash out process means actually turning something into money, such as crypto payment or other types of digital goods that we can use. During this process, we needed a drop, which can either be a physical address or a bank drop or any intermediate service or layer that helps us cover our tracks and stay undetected. In terms of physical drops, what it means is a physical address, which is not connected and can be used to receive goods. So in any case where somebody is making a fraudulent transaction using a stolen debit or credit card to order something, you will need an address which is used to receive the goods. We utilize multiple ways to set up these drops. For example, it can be a reshipping service. There are many services out there where you can rent a virtual post box and then you can use this address to send goods from this place to another. You can also do social engineering and post advertisements to lure people in to work for you. They provide their own addresses to have them as a drop and then do some more social engineering to make them receive the goods to your end address of your actual buyers. Usually this drop address should be physically close to the stolen identity which you use. It should be in the same state or country and as well as if you use a proxy or other kind of IP spoofing method or just a normal mobile network. Bank drops. Whenever you do any kind of scam, let's take banking fraud, you'll need a bank account that is unconnected and the same goes for the physical address. So it should be unknown in front of the fraud teams and this means that you can either acquire online with no bank account or a real bank account with a physical bank card. Then you can use this bank to cash out the money either through an ATM or by crypto and clean it so then it's all connected to the cash process. The drop is basically an additional layer to cover the end receiver's exact identity. It can be either a bank or another address, or many other ways how cash out could work, but that's another topic. Drops are very useful, and many fraudsters tend to reuse a drop for as long as we can. Basically, what we do is perform minor changes in the address. For example, when they put a space, we put another character or perhaps leave some typos. There are unlimited ways you can recreate the same address to look like a new one, and it's also quite hard to catch such differences in the strings of the addresses. So that that's a really interesting point you just made around um, almost plausible deniability as well uh, for the way that drops work, if I understood correctly, is one thing is being able to associate, like you said, uh, an address with a repetitive 
pattern of um, uh, fraud. But the other side of it is be able to prove whoever it's addressed to has an association with uh, the fraud as well. Maybe going back also, um, Anonymous uh, D on this, you mentioned at the very beginning uh, the use of PO boxes. I think that's the one that most fraud managers can understand. And I know that fraud fighters typically raise the profile of if somebody's getting delivered to like an anonymous PO box, then that's that's pretty bad, right? <laughs> would you say that you would literally turn up uh, to these anonymous PO boxes and you'd have to maintain a very high level of presumably operational security, uh, you know, in how you open that relationship, how you even turn up, um, you know, like, because all of that could be, I guess, areas that you can be identified, right? Yes, indeed. What I was pointing out are more like the virtual post places. They provide you a new address and then ship anything to another address to a third country. It doesn't really have to be something physical, but there are so many methods to get drops. You could simply go to a vacant house. You could stay in the car nearby and wait for the delivery man to arrive and leave the packaging on the porch. You can even convince receptionists to accept packages and provide some cash in exchange. There are many ways to receive goods. Interesting. I'll throw you like a, a bit of a strange example. According to, I guess it's pretty well known, the dark web uh, market guides, which are you know surfacing all over the clear web on almost how best to look at this. So fraud, good fraud fighters are reading this as well, right? Because they want to understand what the fraudsters are doing. Um, but one of the things which is quite debated in there is actually weirdly the use of real name or also fake names. And apparently the, 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 the strange thing that was advised is actually do use your real name for the drop or whoever is going to be the recipient of the drop. Might be a stolen ID, like you said. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because apparently the fake name raises all types of alarm bells with the local domestic postal service. I haven't heard of that, actually. But you can always use a name that exists. If you use James Bond or John Doe or whatever, it will raise suspicion for the pro managers. But as long as the goods don't require a signature upon arrival, you don't have to worry. You can leave any name because just hand it to anyone who can get it and say the name which is written on the parcel. So it's usually not a big issue, especially, as I said, if no signature is required upon it. Interesting. That's really good to know. Well, Anonymity, thanks for yeah taking a couple of minutes on that topic. I know it's a very specialist topic. And um, listen, we're, we're the Stay on Cat and Mouse podcast. And uh, as part of our show, we're always curious when we speak to active fraudsters. Hey, in the world of you versus the professional fraud fighter, who do you think is the cat in that scenario and who's the mouse and why? Very good question. I would say in this scenario, I would consider myself more on the mouse side just because based on reality, we're trying to hide and remain untouched by the cat. We always try to be one step ahead from the cat, who are obviously the good guys, your fraud preventer teams, the e-commerce site, the credit card companies, and the issuing banks, and of course, the card companies who are on the other side. In my opinion, the card companies are the cat, as we try to be quick and stay under the cat's radar, stay unnoticed, and just continue to do what we do because... That's what creates a living, and we have to keep doing this as long as we can. So far, we haven't had many blockers, and based on my colleagues' feedback, this is not something that's going to be stopped very soon. Thank you, Anonymous, for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, too. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.